have to speak. Am I, can you hear me now? Yes, yes we can. Excellent. Okay. Um, welcome to Serenity Sunday. My name is Dina and I'm a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Will all who wish to please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity, the serenity to accept the thing that I cannot change, courage to change the hands, the wisdom to know the difference that I will not mind be done. Amen. Okay, some house rules. If you are celebrating a birthday, please message the secretary in the chat now with your name and number of years. The chat will be disabled during the speaker's share. If you have an, any announcements, please message the secretary in the chat now. If you're eating or moving around, please turn off your video or the host may do so. Are there any other compulsive eaters here besides myself? I'm gonna assume there's a lot of raised hands. I'm on my phone, so I can't see anybody. Um, <laughs> please give us a wave. Well, we, I guess we already did that. Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting or accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Next page. If you are new to Overeaters Anonymous, we warmly welcome you home. Welcome you home. Um, I have asked, I think it was Roy, to read how it works from chapter five of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Please mm -hmm. unmute and the reading will be shared on the screen. Thank you, Roy, compulsive overeater, 100 pounder, 45 years in recovery, grace of God one day at a time. <clears throat> how it works. This is chapter five, how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who can or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have, and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with food, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us, but there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures, <coughs> excuse me, half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We ask his protection and care with complete abandon. 
Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what in order? I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the compulsive overeater, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were compulsive overeaters and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our compulsive overeating. C, that God could and would. If he were sought, thank you so much for letting me read. Thanks, Roy. Um, let's see. The screen. It is now time for the leader to qualify for twenty minutes. Who is the timer? I think we said that was Mel, right? Yeah, honey. How would you like your time? Uh, Fifteen and five is perfect. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Uh, let's see. As, as uh, when you begin. Okay, so for the recording, I'm stating my name is Dina um, and I am a compulsive overeater. Um, where do I want to begin? I want to begin, I guess at the beginning, I don't think I had a healthy relationship with food from the very, very beginning. My mom has these pictures of me where I don't even actually reach the tabletop, but there's my hand coming up on the table. <laughs> around some food. Um, I know that the, the two little girls I played with across the street, they had a relatively sane relationship with food um, because they left some. I know it's hard to believe, right? There's that, there's that story in the back of the book um, where the, they're at a, a party and a person has a drink in their hand and somebody else taps them on the shoulder and says, hey, I want to go show you something. And they put their drink down on the mantelpiece and they walk away. And the person in the book is like, how do you put down a drink and leave it on the table? Leave it on the mantelpiece and just walk away. 
And I'm thinking substitute that for a piece of chocolate cake and I am right with you. Um, Cause I just didn't know how to walk away from food. It was always there for me. Um, life wasn't, mm, it wasn't as perfect as it looked, let's just say. Um, I got vitiligo when I was two. Um, so I got this huge gray streak in my hair, which you can't see because of this gorgeous wig. Um, but it also made my eyelashes on my left side white and part of my eyebrow. And I lost all the pigment in this area, um, which isn't quite so bad on a person as light skinned as me, um, but is very noticeable in the summer. And then, of course, who, what kind of two year old has a gray streak in their hair, right? So you know how loving and kind and accepting children are. Um, so that really uh, didn't help much. Uh, so I pretty early on developed this relationship with food that I found if I ate enough carbohydrates slash sugar, um, it helped to make the, the knot inside me sort of unwind a little bit. Um, my mom was one of us. Uh, may she rest in peace. She died mm, two years ago, July, so about a year and a half ago. Um, and my dad was a rageaholic and a workaholic. Um, and he tried the best he could. Um, he, his, in his mind, the father was supposed to be the provider and that's what he did. Um, and I think I went on my first diet when I was about nine. I guess I was a little bit chubby. The pictorial evidence isn't really there that I was chubby because I have some pictures now of what I was like back then. Um, but I guess it really didn't matter because I thought I was a piece of garbage. I thought it was completely unlovable. Um, and it's really the disease centers in the mind, right? So my, my big dark secret that I had to keep from the world was that I was unlovable. Um, and so I went to a great deal of effort, mental effort, uh, became an extremely good liar uh, to, just to hide that fact from the world. And in my mind, it was a fact. Um, I found out later it wasn't true, but in my mind, as a child's mind, it was a fact. I also just recently discovered in my therapy that I was molested around, I think around age five, six or seven, somewhere in there. Um, but I blocked that out until very recently. Um, but it makes a lot of sense when it comes to a lot of my other addictions, um, where, that, where that piece played in, especially regarding the unlovable part. Um, I stole to support my habit. We were a sugar-free household. Yeah. And so mom made the mistake of buying some of those children's vitamins that are supposed to be, you know, you have one every day, not the whole bottle every day. <laughs> um, yeah. So those didn't last long. Um, yeah. So I used to steal to support my habit because I couldn't go without the sugar and I definitely couldn't uh, let people know that um, my mom didn't love me enough to make me a, a lunch for school. In actuality, she was trying to teach me to be responsible and to make my own lunch. But again, if I go to that, oh, I'm unlovable place, the only reason she wouldn't make me a lunch is because she didn't love me enough. So I used to steal a dollar from her wallet every day. Um, and lunches were only 45 cents and candy was a dime. I was sitting pretty as far as my, my, my addiction was concerned. Um, fast forward, fast forward. I tried a lot of different things to control the weight. Um, again, I thought I was fat. I was 
at, when I was 12 years old, I was five foot nine and 145 pounds. Yes, I'm, I'm watching you make the calculations. That's not fat. That's actually like, wouldn't I die to be there today, right? Um, but that Weight Watchers let me come when I was 12, five foot nine, 145 pounds. I don't know. Um, but I was on a diet, like I said, since I was nine. And I resented every single one of them. I resented the world. I resented, I resented being unlovable. I resented my parents for not being able to love me the way I needed them to. Um, there was an amazing woman um, in this program and in AA. And one of the things that she shared that stuck with me forever was if I imagined that my parents put everything they had to give me in like a shopping bag, everything they had, love, affection, money, time, everything they had to give me, they put in a shopping bag. And then they turned this shopping bag upside down over my head and they shook it out. Shook, shook, shook. Everything that was in that bag came out. They gave me everything that was in that bag. And what came out was crumbs because that's all they had to give me. It wasn't that I was unworthy. It's that they didn't have it to give me. They didn't get it, so they didn't have it to give me. But it took me a long time to get there. Um, when I came to the program the first time, in 82, 83, something like that, um, the, the loving people in the program uh, really just, I found such a loving group of people just accepting me for who I was, regardless of the fact that I was unlovable. Um, and one of the things that they told me then was, Dina, you really need to go to some therapy because you're not seeing things straight. Um, and much like the, the guy in the front of the big book, well, if I, if I go to get therapy and I understand why it is that I drink, then I won't drink anymore. No. I spent 20 years in therapy and was still a compulsive overeater when I came out. I had my head screwed on straight, but I was still a compulsive overeater when I came out. Um, I, the first time through the program, I also got um, through a very kind, gentle sponsor. She had me put a one ad out for God because I didn't have one of those growing up. We were raised really hypocritically Jewish. Um, like we went, my brother and I were forced to go to this Orthodox congregation on Saturday mornings when my father drove off to work. It was just like, what? Anyway, so I developed this relationship with the higher power my first time through the program. And I spent a lot of time in therapy, um, stopped coming to the program because I was in therapy and then I was going to get it all. Um, through my relationship with my higher power, I, I rediscovered the religion that I was born into and actually fell in love with it. Um, fell off the deep end, as my mom would say, because I became orthodoxly Jewish. <laughs> She's like, oy vey. Um, and uh, eventually met a nice orthodox young man. And we had two nice orthodox young boys, um, one of whom was married. And that's why oh, we tuned in early. said, why are you in New York? I'm waiting to be a grandma. Um, but the thing that brought me back to OA the second time about 20 years ago was I was trying to bathe those same children in a bathtub and the gravitational pull was so strong that I could not get up off the floor. I was 400 pounds and unable to lift myself off the floor. And in that utter humiliation, I said, I really need to do something. So I made a deal with God 
I said, God, if I can stay off chocolate for a week and you make it so I never see any of the men that I slept with the first time through the program, I will come back to OA. So I stayed off of chocolate for a week. So I came back. I had lived in the city then. So I came back to Serenity Sunday at Roxbury Park. And the second I walked in that door, there was one of those guys. And I said, God, I thought we had a deal. And God's like, I don't make deals, honey. I don't know where you got that from. I don't make deals. So I was like, fine. So I walk over to this guy and I'm making amends. And I say, eventually, I'm going to find all the rest to the guys and make amends to them too. I've met a lot of them at Doris's funeral. Um, so that's a whole other addiction that I deal with in another program. Um, but I haven't had chocolate in those 20 years. And if you had told me 20 years ago that I never would have had chocolate in 20 years, I would have told you where you could go because that was just not going to happen. I haven't had potato chips in 18 years because those are foods that first off, I don't eat them like a lady. I don't have a sane relationship with those things and I have no business eating them. There's never going to be a moment in my life where it's going to be life or death, whether or not I have chocolate or potato chips. There was one, one time we were going, we went to Knott's Berry Farm and it was my husband left our picnic lunch on our front porch back in uh, LA. Kosher, Knott's Berry Farm. Don't go together. So I went over to one of these restaurants and I said, can I just buy some carrots? Just raw carrots. Can I, or can I buy an apple? No. So we ended up giving the children potato chips and Knott's Berry Farm cookies. And I had, what did I have, honey? I think I also had, what did I have? I had cookies. I think I had cookies and licorice. Those are the only things we could find with a, with a reliable marking on them that said that they were kosher. That was a glorious day. Anyway. So, but yeah, I haven't had those foods in all that time. Um, I lost my first hundred pounds in those first couple of years back, which really wasn't hard to do because if you're eating enough food to sustain 400 pounds, you're eating a lot of food. So just cutting back on food was enough to lose that first hundred pounds. Um, I had several sponsors over the time. Uh, working with my current sponsor, I've lost another 50 pounds. So I'm down 150 pounds. Um, what have I learned? Everything, everything. First off, most important thing I learned, I am lovable. That's one of the first things I learned. Um, I learned how to do feelings, which I never really understood how to do um, because once I found carbohydrates and sugar, well, those just took care of all the feelings and they weren't safe to have in my family anyway because we were shamed for feelings. My mom's favorite expression was, oh, God, here comes another tearful earful. Because she didn't have it. She didn't have what it took to listen to a child have pain. It wasn't, again, it wasn't a negative thing for her. She just didn't have it. Um, I learned one of the good expressions in the program, you don't go to the hardware store for milk. I couldn't go to mom when I needed somebody to help me with my feelings. I had to go to somebody who understood what feelings were. And then they could say, Dean, I'm really sorry that happened to you. I eventually taught my mom how to say that. I was like, mom, what I really need from you is for you to listen to me and then say, Dina, I'm really sorry that happened to you. That was a major watershed moment for us. Um, I healed my relationship with my mom. I actually healed my relationship with my dad um, before he passed away. My dad's been gone 23 years because my, my younger one will be 22 in April. 
Um, but yeah, mom and I had a really good relationship before she passed. I was, uh, I used to spend Thursday nights there and we would have girl time on Friday morning. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we went on a road trip together for all of all y'all who remember that. That was a lot of fun too. Um, I think, I think what the, yeah, one of the most important things I learned was that I don't, um, I don't have to listen to everything that goes on inside my head as true. Um, because a lot of it's not, it's probably still going to be my first reaction, um, to think that there's something wrong with me and then say, wait a minute, that's not necessarily true. Not everybody's going to like me. You're a loss. Um, cause I'm really great in my own mind now. And so my friends tell me, um, so my husband tells me, um, I'm a woman of dignity. I keep my word. I was a really great liar as a kid. My mother tells me that she was standing behind me listening one day about how I told her how I'd been adopted. And she's like, Dina, if I hadn't burst you myself, I totally would have believed you were adopted because I, I needed to lie. My life was so painful that I just, if I made up a different life, then that would be better. You know, um, I don't do that anymore. I'm a woman of dignity now. Um, I have humility. That's one of the biggest things I learned in this program was humility, the ability to say, you could be right. I could be wrong. What do you know? Um, don't just solicit people's uh, input, but actually listen to it and, and consider it because I don't have all the answers and I don't have to have all the answers. Um, what else did I learn? Five minutes left, Dina. Thank you. Thank you. Um, gosh, there's so many things I've learned in this program, how to put them all down. Uh, one thing I'll tell you is um, that my, my abstinence is not the same as my food plan. I'll tell you that. Um, the abstinence is the things that I don't do. I abstain from that. Um, and the food plan is what I do do. I use a food tracker to help me with my food plan. Um, one of the things that my current sponsor asked me to give up was my love of my life, bread. I cried when she said that, but I knew it had to happen. So I gave up white flour. I want to say three years ago, three and a half years ago, maybe. Um, I'm still not ready to let go of my other lover, which is sugar. Um, we're, we're, we're temporarily separated. Um, gonna put out a restraining order soon, I think. Um, I, I just really feel like my relationship with food has changed to the point where I'm really able to look at it as sustenance for the body that houses the soul, that is that part of God that lives within me. Um, my relationship with my higher power, obviously, is, is awesome. I talk to God constantly. Um, I endeavor to hold God's will as a shield out in front of me um, so that when something does come my way, I can buffer it through that and say, what is God's will for me at this juncture? Um, saved me on more than one occasion um, from making a choice that was not in God's will. Um, I try not to eat what I call gratuitous carbs more than once or twice a day. 
those are things that are really starchy. Um, I try to listen to my body when it tells me it wants sustenance. Um, I now know, here's a miracle. I know what it's like to feel satiated as opposed to, oh my God, I can't breathe, move, oh, which was the only thing I understood beyond hungry. I also know that sometimes hungry means I'm having a feeling and sometimes hungry means I'm thirsty. So there's sort of like when you differentiate your baby's cries, you can tell what they are sometimes. But now I differentiate what my hunger means. Um, I told you my wheels. Oh, my current abstinence is five and a half, five and three quarter years. It's in July. Please, God, I'll have six years. Um, when, I talk, when I stop talking, I'm going to remember that there was something really important I wanted to tell you. Um, I like who I am, which is also another major miracle um, coming from that place of self-loathing self where I just thought I was a living piece of garbage and why was I here? Um, I still go to therapy because um, that really, really helps me. I started seeing her because of my sex addiction and porn addiction and all that other kind of garbage that goes with that. Um, I don't know if I really have anything left to share with you other than the fact that Serenity Sunday is my favoritest meeting because you guys are the bomb. You were the first meeting I came back to when I came back to OA. Um, I wish I could start, I'm gonna start coming again because I gave notice at the volunteer position that I took that has me working on Sundays. So please God at the end of March, I'll be able to come back to Serenity Sunday on a regular basis. Um, I don't know, I just love my life. So, OA helped me be a great mom. And now I'm hoping to be a great grandma, even though that sounds like great grandmother, like I already had grandchildren, which I don't yet. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. I'm waiting. So I think with that, I'm gonna sign off. I love you guys. And uh, I wanna hear from you now. So what do I say at this juncture? It says, after I lead, um, I have asked no one in particular to read the 12 traditions. Can Mark, can you see if we have a volunteer for that? Uh, no one yet. Actually, I see. I'm just going to take it as a raised hands, Lillian. Uh, go ahead. So Lillian, would you please read the 12 traditions? Thank you very much. I'm honored. Thank you for your pitch. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OE group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized. 
but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Lillian. Okay, and now it's time for the seventh tradition states that every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. The LA intergroup requests that you continue to contribute as we still have operating expenses, including our office rent, the subscription costs of this Zoom service, any amount is appreciated in your, and supports your recovery. Go to www.donate.oalaig.org for a direct link to our PayPal account. Uh, there is a place to specify Serenity Sunday, and the tech host will place the link in the chat. It is now time for the Secretary's Report. Hi, I'm Cindy, your Secretary for this meeting. Please join me in thanking our Dina for speaking this morning. So wonderful to see you and hear you. Let's thank the others who do service at this meeting. If you have a service position at this meeting, please wave your hand. Hello, hello. The OA Tools of Recovery will help you to abstain from compulsive food behaviors. The tools are plan of eating, meetings, telephone, writing, literature, action plan, anonymity, service, and sponsorship. For more information, read the Tools of Recovery pamphlet. A sponsor is a compulsive overeater who is abstaining from compulsive food behaviors while living the 12 steps and 12 traditions to the best of their ability. They're willing to share their recovery with other members of the fellowship, and they are committed to keeping to abstinence. Find a sponsor who has what you want and ask how they are achieving it. Will all available sponsors use the raise your hand icon so you can be called on to unmute and just to say your name? Roy. Roy, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Roy. Zach. Hey, I'm Zach, compulsive eater, bulimic. Uh, a little bit of that. Uh, PTSD, trauma, and LGBTQIA experience. Thank you, Zach. Marin. Marin, compulsive overeater, anorexic, bulimic, uh, willing to work with you on the 12 steps. Thank you, Marin. Lillian. Hi, Lillian, compulsive overeater and sponsor, and I'm in the chat. Thanks. Thank you. And Lori. Hi, I'm Lori, laxative bulimic, um, body obsessor, uh, user of diet pills. Um, almost killed myself with this. I am a kind and compassionate sponsor and I will put my number in the chat. Thank you, Lori. That's all that I see for hands raised. Um, we give virtual chips and virtual hugs at this meeting for continuous days and nights of abstinence, but the most significant chip is the newcomer's chip. Will all of the newcomers please use the raise hand icon so we can welcome you. 
As I call on you, please unmute, say your first name and feel the virtual love. Are there any newcomers? I don't see a hand raised. Okay. Everyone who takes one of the following virtual chips has one minute to share. Please use the raise hand icon now if you are taking a chip for 30 days. Sixty days, ninety days, six months, nine months. Okay. Um, do we have any birthdays? I'll ask Mark. Did you see any in the chat, Mark? I have. I don't know if it was uh, even announced at the beginning, but oh, wait, Tom has got his hand raised. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Tom. You have three minutes. Oh, three minutes. It. Three minutes. All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody. Tom, uh, compulsive reader on the 14th. I celebrated 13 years. Um, pretty excited about it, I have to say. Uh, I was a chronic relapser. You know, I was in and out of the rooms for a long time. Uh, came in, got a little bit of time, went back out uh, and just <laughs> really came to know the demoralization of compulsive overeating, you know, and uh, there were three years of, of in and out and in and out and just coming in, losing a little bit of weight, thinking I was okay, you know, don't worry, I got this and then going back out, gaining all the weight back and uh, being beaten up by this disease. Um and, you know, went through all the shame that we go through when you come back um, and raise your hand and say, I've got day one again, even though you're the only one in the room who thinks you should be uh, shameful about it, um, you know, and, and went through the whole process of begging and asking for help again and getting it and then going out because I was utterly powerless. You know, I just wasn't ready. And so to get to a place where I was finally willing was just grace. Uh, it was a miracle. Um, and it was funny to hear the speaker talk about foods that uh, she's no longer eating. Because I remember uh, during that time when I was in and out, somebody saying that they, they had, I was like, you know, I, I can't live without this food. I can't. There's this one thing. There's no way I can live without it. And this woman after the meeting looked at me and she goes, <laughs> I haven't had that in 24 years. <laughs> well, I could have punched her right in the face, you know, right then in there, right, right there, you know, but I have not had that food in 13 years, you know, so it's real, you know, it's real. So um, I just want to say that if you are struggling or you're new, you're not alone. You know, I've been there myself. A lot of us have. And the only thing I did right was to keep coming back no matter what, you know, that's really what did it for me. So uh I love celebrating anniversary. Just when I think about how much work went into getting here, uh, my anniversary is just a reminder of all the work I've done and this new life I have and how free I am from food in ways that I was not before. So uh, great to hear your story. It's great to share this birthday with you. And thanks everybody. Have a great Sunday. Thank you so much. Um... Are there any other birthdays? I don't think so. OK. 
Okay, we are on the third Sunday of the month and we have a three minute intergroup reps report, which I think is Pamela. Yes, thank you, Cindy. Um, yes, we had a delegates meeting yesterday and I think it was the shortest delegates meeting ever. And that was really great. And we got really a lot of things done. Um, Due to some personal circumstances, I don't have a lot to post for you right now, but I'm going to post in the chat my phone number. So what everybody's going to find out, because Mark is going to help me, is that there's a new 12-stepper available. And 99% of what you really want to know is in that 12-stepper, and he will post the link for that. We also want to remind people that if they are celebrating a birthday, if they could please email, this is not hard, candles, O-A-L-A-I-G.org, and say you have a birthday. So we can put it in the 12-stepper and people all over the world who look at that 12-stepper can help you celebrate. The big event coming up is the Body Image Workshop. It's on Sunday, March 27th. And I am instructed to post a link, but God bless Dawn. Somebody posted the body image workshop link and God bless you. I hope I can do it next week, but at least it got done. And that's the important thing. And there are also some um, Zoom basics and security training available. The uh, drop-in tech support trainings are over, but there are some, some uh basics and you can go to oasandiego.org slash training and they're going to be coming up next week and that's zoom hosting basics um the other thing i want to tell you is they gave me a lot of financial reports that, and if you want them you tell me what you want what i'm going to tell you right now as, as of last month, Serenity Sunday donated $125 to the inner group. But I have a real lot of other reports. We have a very healthy, prudent reserve. Um, we seem to be doing very well. We, the final numbers from the birthday party will be in. I know we already said we got 40 some thousand dollars. I don't know if we've got all our expenses out. But um, I can give you all of these reports. I got balance sheets. I got income statements. And any accountant who's dying to have them, I am willing to send them to you. So thank you for letting me be your delegate. And we'll go back to Cindy. Thank you. Thank you, Pamela. Any other announcements or events and meetings will be in the chat. We do have a phone list. It is available in the chat. Please feel free to add your name to the list. Literature is available at bookstore.oa.org and onlineliterature.aa.org. You may also find a free PDF of the big book at aa.org. If needed, we hold a steering committee meeting every three months on the first Sunday of the month of March, June, September, and December. The motions must be turned in no later than two weeks prior to the meeting. See one of the co-secretaries for more details. Thank you for allowing me to be of service and I will now turn the meeting back over to Dina. 
have to speak. There you go.